Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? Welcome into the Wednesday, July the 10th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, today is a big one for me. No more scraping the bottom of the barrel for content. We have positional previews the next 11 shows leading up to our training camp coverage, which we also have some news on that. And we start today with the quarterbacks. Plus, we'll look into Miami's week one game against the Baltimore Ravens. And there is an imposter, Travis Wingfield, out there. And we need to give that creator some praise. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Play, Wherever you get your podcast from, go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review the show. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at WingfieldNFL. Vote the number one follow on Dolphins Twitter, by Dolphins Twitter, and also the funniest Dolphins podcaster on Dolphins Twitter. And of course, LockedOnDolphins.com. Check out the website for all the training camp guide pieces. They are very in-depth. We got videos, film studies, breakdowns, contract numbers, everything you want to know about this team and this roster is going to be up on LOD.com over the course of the next two weeks. And of course, last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Let's go. That's another Miami Dolphins And the supplemental draft is, in fact, today. The Dolphins were present at Jalen Thompson's Pro Day, but not at the West Virginia wide receiver Marcus Sims Pro Day. And we talked about Miami being there and being on the radar for Jalen Thompson. I think there's a decent chance the Dolphins at least put in a card for Jalen Thompson. Now, by the time you hear this podcast... That could already be concluded, so we will have the updates on tomorrow's pod and a film study on Jalen Thompson if he is, in fact, donning the aqua and orange by the time you guys hear this podcast. But without further ado, let's transition into our main topic for the day. It's almost training camp time, baby, just two weeks away, and we start today with the quarterbacks. My thinking for this project, at least on the website write-up, is to serve as a program of sorts for the fans that attend training camp, but it also works for the Twitter fans that want to get familiarized with this roster this offseason. So head over to LockedOnDolphins.com and check out the training camp guide, Quarterbacks, Part 1 of the series. We've got Running Backs tomorrow, Part 2, and we'll close out the week with Tight Ends on Friday and Part 3, and then pick it back up on the Sunday show with my favorite position on offense, the Wide Receivers. But let's get back into the guys that distribute the football to the wideouts, the cubes, the quarterbacks. And I think it's very important to consider coaching and the impact those guys have on a quarterback room or any position room across the NFL football team. It's weird how much we put on the players, but the ones that are directing those guys tend to not get much credit, if any credit at all. 
And you go back to the last time the Dolphins took a quarterback in the first round, Ryan Tannehill in 2012, they put a guy in charge of that room who was there strictly based on nepotism. He was the son-in-law of former offensive coordinator Mike Sherman. Of course, I'm talking about Zach Taylor, who is now a head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals. He may be qualified now, but at the time, he was not. He had no past credentials to operate an NFL quarterback room. And I think the good news about this Miami staff is that there are tons of guys that have been in quarterback rooms across the National Football League and quarterback rooms that have broken records, won Super Bowls. It feels like if you're going to develop into a good quarterback, Miami right now with its current construction of coaching is a good as place as any to do it with the tutelage these guys are going to receive under Jim Caldwell, under Jerry Shaplinsky, and of course under Chad O'Shea. Again, this is all on paper and not yet tangible as it pertains to actual football in South Florida but that's better than the alternative like Zach Taylor back in 2012, for instance. Let's jump into the article here. It's up on LockedOnDolphins.com, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's titled Miami Dolphins 2019 Training Camp Guide Quarterbacks. And we start with Ryan Fitzpatrick, the bearded veteran. This is his 15th year in the National Football League, his first in Miami, as we all know. He's going to wear jersey number 14. He was a Harvard college grad. He is 36.8 years old on opening day, and he has two years remaining on his contract, $11 million in total, and $7 million of that is guaranteed. And Fitzpatrick mentioned that the reason he signed with the Dolphins was because he had a chance to start, and he's really enjoying playing football at this stage of his life. Obviously, a guy like him doesn't have to play for financial reasons anymore. He's out there because he enjoys it. And he says himself that over the last four or five years, he thinks he's taken the next step and hopes to continue to improve as we get going. And I really harp on this throughout the course of the offseason that in today's NFL, while playing quarterback at this age requires you to be a certain level of physical and cardiovascular shape, But at the same time, some of the restrictions or the things that would prevent quarterbacks from playing this late into their 30s and even 40s don't exist anymore because these guys are so well protected by the league and by the rules of the league. And so guys that get into their late 30s that are cerebrally inclined tend to kind of flourish at this part of their career. And that might be what's happening with Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, I'm not going to go out here and say that he's going to come in and light the world on fire and play at that same pace that he did through the first three weeks of last season in Miami for an extended season. But I think the opportunity for Fitzpatrick to play a few games and to play very well is very much within his capabilities, especially when you consider that Miami has four of its first five games at home at Hard Rock Stadium. Fitzpatrick enters training camp as the favorite to start opening day. He has enough arm, advanced applications of route concepts and how to attack specific coverages and the leverage of the defense. He is an infectious gamer type mentality that can galvanize a football team and his aggressive nature will get him into trouble and mistakes tend to pile up when things go poorly. But in a league where the majority of the game's best quarterbacks are on the plus side of age 35, Maybe, just maybe, Ryan Fitzpatrick is just getting started. 
and his competition could not be more different. Although they are both smart and thinking type of quarterbacks, Josh Rosen is 22.6 years old. He has one year of service, also his first year in Miami. He wears jersey number three. He went to UCLA. We all know these stats. 22.6 years old, three years left on his contract. The Dolphins owe him $6.2 million over those three years and owe him no guaranteed money the rest of the way. And he arrives in Miami at a fraction of his original price tag and it just presents way too much value to the Dolphins to have turned this opportunity down. He's pretty much the certified pre-owned vehicle of quarterbacks. His financial considerations have already been taken care of by the Cardinals and the Dolphins now get three years to evaluate a potential answer to the two decade long hole at the position or maybe it's for the backup quarterback position. Either way, Rosen is a very naturally gifted thrower with elite spin, drive, and touch on the football. On the downside, his timing is often late. He offers minimal off-script playmaking ability. His accuracy has lapses at times and he's guilty of frequent curious decisions but at the end of the day a low risk high reward player who if he can harness the natural ability and pair that with absorbing the vast knowledge around him with Fitzpatrick Caldwell and Shaplinski, he could put Miami in the enviable position of uncovering the solution at quarterback for pocket change so he has a chance to start opening day I ultimately think that Josh Rosen wins this competition and takes it into the, probably the month of October and then Josh Rosen eventually gets the reins from that point. The Dolphins face some of the top pass defenses in the NFL those first five or six games, and then things really lighten up. So maybe the evaluation, maybe the fact of trying to build his confidence comes that way with a later start. So I have Fitzpatrick starting opening day and Josh Rosen coming off the bench down the line. And when we come back, we're going to get to the guy everybody wants to hear me talk about, third string quarterback Jake Rudock. Where does he come from? Where is he going? What's his expectation and role on this football team? team. But before I do that, I want to tell you guys about Blue Chew because if this team starts off 1-4, and 1-5, and five, you guys are going to need the increased performance and little extra confidence you get in bed with BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. You can take them anytime, training camp, week one, Super Bowl, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever the opportunity arises. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package like a Dan Marino fastball. So no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when using our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code Locked On to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Uh, 
I was supposed to get my Jake Rudock notes in before the break, but I failed on that. So we're going to pick it right back up here in segment number two by going back to the article up on LockedOnDolphins.com here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, taking a look at the Dolphins quarterback room and previewing it for training camp coming up in just two weeks. And Jake Rudock is here for the first year in Miami. All three quarterbacks in their first year with the Dolphins. He has two years of service under his belt. He wears jersey number five. He played college football at Michigan, a transfer from Iowa. His opening day age is going to be 26.6 years old, and he has a one-year deal worth $645,000 if he makes the roster. He's a pet project of Jim Caldwell from the days in Detroit, so he has that connection there, and he arrives on campus as sort of the developmental quarterback of this quarterback room, and the Dolphins now have their veteran presence, their long-term potential answer, and then the late-round developmental project in Jake Rudolph. He was a three-year starter in college between Iowa and Michigan. He's only thrown five passes in the NFL, but he has a chance to be a practice squad guy, I think, for his hometown team in the Miami Dolphins. He was a graduate of St. Thomas Aguinas High School in Fort Lauderdale and now has a chance to potentially provide the Dolphins with a long-term backup option if he can develop and grow in that role. And the entire room at a glance, this shakeup that the Dolphins went under this season between Ryan Tannehill, Brock Osweiler, David Fells, and Luke Falk to these three new guys was so necessary and also refreshing. Tannehill's 2018 season at the very least, provided us with a definitive answer to his future in Miami. And now the Dolphins, regrettably in some ways, jump back on the hamster wheel. Look, it's not inconceivable that Fitzpatrick plays well enough to fend off Rosen for the first month or two of the season. But barring a potential surprise playoff push, the Dolphins will have to and need to turn things over to the kid. But I think that the biggest takeaway from all of this is that Dolphins fans should be encouraged by two things. One, they have a really good director of the quarterback room in multiple names with O'Shea, Caldwell, and Shaplinski. But also, two, this team and this staff and this front office are hell-bent on throwing irons into the fire to try to figure out this position once and for all. They did it this year with Josh Rosen. They'll probably do it again next year in the draft. And I think we finally might be able to uncover an answer at the position for the first time since Dan Marino was last here in 1999. And with that, let's go ahead and talk about an actual football opponent as opening day is fast approaching. We are just 60 days away from football, guys. 60 days away from the ball getting kicked off by either Justin Tucker or Jason Sanders at Hard Rock Stadium on September 8th. And I want to talk about Miami's opponent in that contest In addition to the positional previews, we're going to take an inside look at each of Miami's opponents. Then I'll finally do a game-by-game prediction show part one before training camp. And if I have considerable amendments to make to that after camp and after preseason, I'll do a part two on that before the season in September. And today we start with week one. Baltimore Ravens at home, Hard Rock Stadium, 1 o'clock Eastern kickoff time. The first game in the Brian Flores era. The first game with Jim Harbaugh and his new contract for the Ravens. He's been there for a minute now since 2008. But Harbaugh brings a team to Miami that the Dolphins have long, long struggled to beat. And a lot of those reasons are because Jim Harbaugh's adaptability to make his team fit or make his scheme fit, rather, what his team does best, just like he did last season. We'll get into that just here in a second, but let's go ahead and go over this team's offseason to date with the key losses and additions on this team. There are lots and lots of moving parts on this team from last year's AFC North Division champions with the 10 wins, led by quarterback Lamar Jackson. 
And those big losses mostly came on the defensive side of the ball. Their star linebacker, C.J. Mosley, is gone. Brent Urban, a pretty solid defensive tackle, is gone. Eric Weddle, the longtime great safety, he is gone. Jeremy Macklin, Javoris Allen, Joe Flacco, and John Brown, and Max Williams, all gone from the offense. Also, Terrell Suggs, who basically is Mr. Baltimore in the post-Ed Reed and Ray Lewis era, he's gone. So is Ty Montgomery, and so is Darius Smith, another good-looking outside linebacker there for the Baltimore Ravens. In free agency, they replaced Eric Weddle with a damn good player in Earl Thomas. He is someone to worry about. They brought in Mark Ingram, the running back from the Saints, and Pernell McPhee and Shane Ray, basically replace Zadarius Smith and CJ Mosley at the linebacker position. They also got Michael Floyd and Justin Bethel. But this team has had so much success over the years because of the coaching staff stability and just really how great John Harbaugh is at adapting his team. And he did that in a way last year that basically no other team is capable of doing outside of a few here and there, like the Patriots, for instance, and hopefully the Dolphins going forward. But basically going from a pass-heavy team under Joe Flacco, throwing the football deep down the field to becoming the most prominent featured ground attack in the entire National Football League and changing their offense to basically fit that mold. Now, in the offseason, they did go out and make an attempt to give themselves more options in the passing game by drafting Hollywood Marquise Brown. He's there along with Willie Sneed. Curtis Moore, and they drafted Miles Boykin, who tested as the most athletic receiver at the entire combine in Indianapolis. He was a third-round pick out of Notre Dame. So this offense is dramatically different looking than it was last season at this time. The offensive line's pretty stout. Ronnie Stanley, a beast of a left tackle. They got to figure out the left guard position with Alex Lewis having a down year last year. Marshall Yonda is still there at right guard, and Orlando Brown, the right tackle, has looked very good so far in his career. The son of former tackle for the Ravens, Orlando Brown there as well. A really cool story for those guys. The biggest concerns on this football team to me are always the defense with the Ravens. And you look at this cornerback position, they are so stacked right there. And I almost wonder if that might be an opportunity to maybe think about acquiring one of these cornerbacks that isn't going to get a lot of snaps because the Ravens are four deep at cornerback. Now, Brandon Carr in the slot, he's going to be their guy there. They will not move him. And the Dolphins, as we know, do not need slot help. But between Jimmy Smith, Marlon Humphrey, and Tavon Young, they're pretty deep at outside perimeter corner. And I don't think they're going to move Marlon Humphrey. He's young on the rookie contract. And I do doubt the Dolphins will be willing to put a big investment into the cornerback spot with Jimmy Smith and Tavon Young just getting his new contract. But to get back to the main point of the week one preview, this is a position group that I think stands to give the Dolphins lots of problems. They can lock down on the outside and man coverage and let Earl Thomas do what he does best and go and find the football along with Tony Jefferson there at the, at the strong safety position. And at linebacker, they're still pretty good because all this team tends to do is draft and develop linebackers. And Patrick Onawusar, which I know I butchered that pronunciation, he has been a damn good player so far. And he's stepping up into the role of C.J. Mosley and kind of taking over as the captain of that linebacking unit. Back on the other side of the football, this team wants to run the ball down your throat. That's going to be what they try to do. They run the ball with higher percentage frequency over the NFL average on every single situation out of every single personnel grouping. But the wonder there and my concern for the offensive side of the football is are they going to try to adapt based upon what the Chargers exposed last year in that playoff game by putting six and seven defensive backs onto the field and basically shutting down Lamar Jackson and that ground game? That might be an area 
the Ravens try to alter early on this season and give the defense as they face a different look. Those are the areas I'm concerned about. The areas the Dolphins can't exploit might be the upfront position of the Baltimore Ravens defense by running the football down their throats, throwing a fullback at them, trying to see if they can replace the production from Zadarius Smith and CJ Mosley and Brent Urban. Now, traditionally, this Dolphins offensive line has not been able to push around this Baltimore Ravens defensive line, but maybe with the additions the Dolphins have in guys like Chris Reed, Jordan Mills, even to that extent, and Michael Dieter, maybe they can get a push in the ground game and push the Ravens back, keep the game close, and win the game in the fourth quarter. That's kind of the way this game has to go. The Dolphins kind of have to play it close to the vest and try to capitalize on Ravens' mistakes and win the game late in the fourth quarter with some heroics and hopefully a worn down Ravens roster. All things told, I think Miami stands a chance in this game as long as Fitzpatrick or Rosen, whoever it might be, doesn't fall into that pattern of turning the football over early and often. If they do that, they stand no chance, but I want to see how they defend Lamar Jackson and this very deep ground game with Mark Ingram. Justice Hill was a draft pick. He is explosive as hell. And Gus Edwards, who tore up Miami last preseason, they got to find a way to focus and key in on all those runners and find a way to make the Ravens have to get off schedule and put the ball up in the air and throw the ball vertically down the field. I think this one is a one-score game late in the fourth quarter, and if the Dolphins can make their kicks and not make mistakes mentally and physically, they can come away with a win. Will they ultimately win? We'll find out on the prediction show coming up in a couple of weeks. But this Ravens team remains a tough, tough draw for our Miami Dolphins. But at least you get them at home and at least you get them in week one when the blistering sun of South Florida in September can maybe melt away those Ravens in those dark purple jerseys. And we're going to do more of these previews in addition to the positional previews for training camp the next couple of weeks on the podcast. We'll do the Patriots tomorrow and perhaps the Cowboys as well. It just depends on how much time we have. But before we do that, we're going to take our last break and come back on the other side of the podcast and talk about my training camp coverage, talk about a new Travis Wingfield account, and I want to talk about some television and movies. All that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. You guys are going to hear me reference this Warren Sharp 2019 NFL preview early and often on the podcast over the coming weeks and months here because there's so much data that is valuable to try to assess our opponents and figure out what they might do coming back into the season. At least those teams that have returning coaching staffs like the Baltimore Ravens. And I referenced the Ravens complete 180 shift they did once they went to Lamar Jackson at quarterback and you can certainly understand why they would do that Joe Flacco basically since getting that big contract after the Super Bowl championship has ranked dead last across the board by quarterback metrics both in standard and advanced metrics Frankly, I think they took too long to make that switch and they were somehow able to pedal Joe Flacco off to the Denver Broncos and that bloated contract, which basically took them from a top five quarterback salary committed team to one of the bottom five with Lamar Jackson's very cheap contract. But real quick, that 180 morphed from an NFL's past heaviest team to its run heaviest, chopping its league high 66% pass rate in one score games to a league low 37% passing rate with Lamar Jackson and they were great at running the football leading the league in yards per carry with 5.4 yards per carry and finishing sixth 
in rushing success rate from week 11 on in that Lamar Jackson era. So definitely something the Dolphins are going to have to contend with, figuring out how to stop Lamar Jackson and that ground game. But like I said, that might suit the Dolphins well for the plan they want to do in this game by running the football themselves and keeping the game close. And I tell you what, just talking about this matchup and talking about actual football that has yet to be played as we have basically gone over a lot of the same topics and I appreciate you guys for sticking through this with me this offseason and giving me the same download numbers that I've enjoyed basically all offseason long. We thank you for that so much. But man, I tell you, talking about this stuff really gets me jazzed for the season. But before we get to the season, we first have to do training camp and the preseason. And we've got some news. I announced it on the podcast yesterday. But today, I've got a little more thought and development behind this idea. Training camp coverage is going to be provided for you guys by LockedOnDolphins.com and the Locked On Dolphins podcast, as well as my Twitter account. I'll be tweeting live at the state at the practice facility, rather, as well as cover the team scrimmage on August 3rd with credentials for on-field access. So you guys are going to be covered all the way through that August 3rd scrimmage. Now, there are two practices on August 5th and August 6th that are open to the public. I'll be going home, though, after a long 10-day trip down in South Florida. I'm staying on North Ocean Drive in Hollywood, looking at some of the pictures and the surrounding areas. It looks pretty nice down there. I've got access to a pool, so I'm probably going to hang out there quite frequently. My spot is right next to the Hollywood Brewing Company. Maybe we'll organize a meetup one of those nights. I'll get some of you guys that are in town and wanting to hang out and get a couple of beers to the Hollywood Brewing Company or somewhere close by. We will see what happens there. But here's my thoughts for training camp coverage. I'm basically going to go step by step with you guys and keep an entire journal of everything I see throughout the day. I don't really want to be bothered by anybody at training camp. I'm there to work. I'm there to be on my phone and type down notes. I've already written a long list of things I want to track, like the performer of the day, both on offense and defense, who won which periods, which period was the best from a team aspect, the energy sources, which guys are bouncing around and giving energy to the entire football team, which coaches are getting on guys the hardest, how much position diversity is there, where are guys lining up and the like. The special teams aspect is so important. Who are the guys covering kicks and covering punts? Those are the guys that are going to round out the bottom of the roster. So we'll keep a close eye on that. Of course, injuries and who's working off to the side on the bikes and with the medicine balls and the ropes and all that fun stuff. Which guys look different on the field compared to others? Who moves faster and just has a different twitch about them? We'll get coaches' comments from the press conferences. Who's getting tired throughout the week? Whose conditioning is in question? So much coverage, so much fun stuff. I cannot wait to get down there and provide that for you guys. And I want to get your guys' opinion on this. Hit me up on Twitter, at Wingfield NFL. I want to know. Practice kicks off at 9.40 Eastern time, so I'll be in the stands for that. And that probably takes about two hours to wrap up practice every single day. Right around noon, that's going to put me at lunchtime. Going to eat, get my journal typed up, get the podcast recorded. Probably have everything done by 4 o'clock Eastern time, give or take. And I want to know, do you guys want me to publish that stuff right away and have it out the day of? Or should I push things back to the following day and let you kind of drive to work and have the podcast that way? Hit me up. Tell me what you think about the coverage and the schedule for the podcast during training camp week here on Locked on Dolphins. And to change gears here one last time before we sign off on the podcast, there is a great 
great parody account right now on Twitter called Not Wingfield NFL or Not Travis Wingfield, where somebody took the liberty to make an account with my same photos, my same type of handle, a description basically bragging about the things that I have fun with on those Twitter polls or the download numbers. Whoever it is, well done. I'm pretty sure I know who you are, even though you're denying it, but I think it's hilarious. The dry erase markers, the softball, the signed autographs, all those jokes had me dying when I saw it at the gym during my workout. So keep it up. I hope you don't get reported. I hope you don't get taken off the airways because you're giving me free publicity. So thank you for all of that. It's been fun. And before we sign off completely here, I was thinking today, there are two great shows coming out this summer that basically fill the gap between the season of TV between the spring and the fall, and also the sports dead period right now, which we are all experiencing in the middle of this dead period, the middle of July. But Last Chance You on Netflix and All or Nothing on Amazon are both coming out on July 19th, and I really don't know which one of those I want to watch more. They are both fantastic series. Between that and a bunch of movies coming out this summer, there really is quite a bit of intriguing material for people, or I guess patrons of the pop culture industry between the new Chucky movie, which I know is a remake. And I know that movie was really kind of corny and awful as a kid. I love those movies as a kid. And I really want to go see that. There's a new movie that's based on those books from the nineties, the scary stories book. They made that into a movie. The great Quentin Tarantino makes his ninth film with Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt. It's called once upon a time in Hollywood. I can't wait to see that. And Bill Murray, after his hilarious appearance in Zombieland, has his own zombie comedy coming out. It might already be out, actually, but I want to check that one out as well. It's the summer of movies. Maybe blockbusters are back for a guy that doesn't care at all about the Marvel Universe. I'm excited about the content we have coming up in our theaters, on our televisions, and of course here on the Locked on Dolphins podcast. But as for today's show, that is going to be my time. And another reminder for all of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave me a rating. Leave me a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. The show is at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog and all the training camp guide pieces up on LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.